Episode 25, episode 25, here we go. Um, boy, we're uh, 25 episodes, the goal was 100. We're just, we're a quarter of the way there. No, there was no goal. I didn't even think I was going to get three. Who the hell knows? But uh, we've got another episode for you today. I got to get a little more fired up. I think that's what people have been saying. Nick, the last couple episodes, you haven't been that fired up. And I want you to put something in your craw here. We'll save it till the end. But last episode, I talked about how do we improve America? How do we enhance the United States? What are the right decisions that we need to make? And, and I don't have 99% of the answers, but I have one answer. I do have one answer. I'm going to save it for the end. A little teaser, as they call it in the radio business. Maybe maybe it's something else. I'm not really in the radio business. But uh, here we go. So what did we learn? I, last Tuesday when I was, I was giving this podcast, episode 24, I talked about Jim Jordan coming up for a vote that very morning. Well, how did it go for our boy, our fighter, Jimmy Jordan? It didn't go well. He didn't. He needed 217 votes in the House of Representatives to become the next Speaker of the House, to, to supplant Kevin McCarthy. Well, he got 200 the first go-around, then he got 199, and then he got way less the third vote. So he's dropped out of the Speaker race. This is not going to work for Jim Jordan or the Republican Party. Oh, goodness gracious. And you've heard me talk about John Boehner and Paul Ryan, how they basically just fucking quit. That's how hard. You, you, there's 435 members of the United States House of Representatives, okay? Very diverse. They're not senators that are re representing an entire state. There's not just two of them. There's a bunch of them in each state. And they're representing their district. And their district could be uber liberal and in turn make that congressman or woman uber liberal or it could be ultra conservative and 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 do the same to that congressman or congresswoman so it is so diverse in the house there it's always tough to find consensus but both parties always do well the republican party literally in the house of representatives cannot find a consensus Jim Jordan was part of that, the, 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 the Freedom Caucus, the rabble-rousers, the guys that uh, John Boehner called legislative terrorists. Jordan's not big on passing legislation. He's big on saying no. That's what the Freedom Caucus is big on saying no to. And a, a, a number of them just said no to Kevin McCarthy. Matt Gates called for a vote to oust him, which was something that, that, that was new to House rules. No single member could just call for a vote for the speaker's head. And, and in order for Kevin McCarthy, because he, he it took him like 14 times to become speaker, kind of an embarrassing episode. It took him 14 damn times. And just the overall diversity of, of, of the Republicans, the Freedom Caucus, these, no, these people who say no, they can, wreck, they, they can wreck it. The House is that close. And so that's what they've done. And at least I think some of the moderate Republicans stood up and said, no, 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 we had what we considered our speaker, our moderate speaker in Kevin McCarthy, and a few pushed him out. We're, we're not going to let the, the minority, the small minority in the Republican Congress dictate everything. Sometimes the majority needs to rule, correct? So I... As I'm speaking to you today, I believe there's there was nine potential speakers. One of them has just dropped out. He said he was going to, I forget his name, he's from Pennsylvania. He's going to focus on Trump's re-election campaign, which really endears me to this guy. No. But uh, what, 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 is the, uh, what does the speaker chaos mean for Biden's impeachment inquiry? Ooh, all the, the Biden crime family's you know, impeachment inquiry. It probably doesn't bode well for the Republicans. They probably should drop it. What does this mean for funding for Israel and, and Ukraine? Does it affect it or not? I'm not smart enough to know all this, but it's something you should think about. It's, 
it's hard to jump on board the Republican Congress when they can't even get their own house in order. It's hard. Essentially, a vote for them right now, and, and, and I'm not trying to be political. I always say, I'm not trying to be political. Well, Nick, you're being fucking political. I'm just saying that, hey, if you elect Republicans to the House of Representatives, are they going to get anything done? Are they interested? Do they have enough members that aren't interested in moving the ball forward at all and just voting no on things, just creating some sort of chaos? We're going to find out. We're going to find out maybe by this time next week we have a speaker. Maybe we don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. This is kind of uncharted territories for the House of Representatives. So we will have to watch with... um, Baited eyes, I guess. I don't know. Here we go. College football. I keep saying that college football. Uh Uh-oh. This could be a business call. Nope. No. Looks like I've been spammed. I got my phone next to me because I'm always working. Nick the American is always working on his business. We'll have to talk about that another day. But, hey, college football. Talked about how good the product is, the monetization of college football. It, it is awesome. We had a we had a, a a really big football game in Ohio State and Penn State, kind of a la Oregon Washington the week prior. That football game did not necessarily was not an instant classic. It was kind of a, a a dog shit game. Both offenses looked like crap, but uh, Penn State does not have it. Penn State does not have it. Their coach and God, why is his name? Why is his name eluding me? I should I should know his name. Let me look it up. This is this Nick the computer. Sometimes his brain has a cramp. Um, it's James. God, was it? Isn't it James? No, James Franklin. Fuck Nick. So stupid. James Franklin. Get this. He's a head coach of the Penn State Nittany Lions. He's one in nine against Ohio State. He's one in nine. Now, the Michigan Wolverines head to Happy Valley later in the year, sometime in November, I believe. And it just doesn't look like it's going to be much of a test. Now, can James Franklin and the Nittany Lions get that fucking offense squared away? Because watching that game, Ohio State kind of controlled it outside of a a fumble return for a touchdown that got called back. But it, it, it it wasn't fun to watch. Marvin Harrison Jr. was doing his thing. But, uh... Penn State, that was my takeaway. Holy moly, Penn State just looked like absolute ass. Just disgusting. And James Franklin drops to 1-9 against Ohio, the Ohio State Buckeyes. So, now, other news in college football. My Washington Huskies were coming off this giant, awesome win against Oregon. Everyone's... You know, praising us. We've got the Heisman Trophy front runner for the first time in I think school history and Michael Penix Jr. We go play a one in five Arizona State Sun Devil team at Husky Stadium on on Pac twelve after dark, seven thirty games. You know how much I love those. Sit back and crack a beer. Well, you knew there'd be some sort of letdown. You saw a little bit with Oregon and Washington State earlier in the day, but Oregon actually, you know, Oregon's offense looked just fine. We have watched the Washington Huskies since Kalen DeBoer take over and do nothing but put out offensive performance after offensive performance after offensive performance. We won 15-7. to Maybe we shouldn't have won that game. It took a pick six late in that football game. For us to get going a little bit and ultimately win that game 15-7. But what a fucking scary, scary night for Washington Husky fans. We almost blew it. We almost blew it. Now, we'll find out. Can Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb, our offensive coordinator, who was almost out the door to Alabama preseason, can, can, can hey, there was obviously a great scheme, a great plan by the Arizona State Sun Devils and, and, Kenny Dillingham, uh, obviously a great defensive scheme that just I, I had the play calling seemed off. Michael Penix, again, was getting passes tipped at the line. He was not accurate. And I know a lot of Nick the Americans listeners are not from Washington. What the fuck are we talking about the Washington Huskies for? They're fifth in the nation, baby. 
the fifth in the nation. So shut up. So shut up. Talk about them if I want. We've got Ohio State. We've got Michigan. We've got Washington. We've got Georgia. We've got Oklahoma. Let's see. Georgia looks like they're becoming Georgia. I would definitely rank Georgia one. I'd probably put Oklahoma five. They uh, survived a scare. They've survived a couple of scares. Um, they just, just played uh, University of Central Florida, and that was a, a very tight ball game till the very end. And so what I think it's – you call it Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan smacked Ohio State the last two years. You guys know this, Buckeye fans. So – won't spend a ton of time here. There's your college football recap. Uh, although, let me. Caleb Williams has now probably officially worked himself out of the Heisman Trophy candidacy. The, he's he's not going to be a defending defending champion. Oh, uh, USC lost their second game in a row, and it'll be interesting because SC's got Oregon on the schedule. They've got Washington on the schedule. They've got I doubt they probably got Oregon State on excuse, they, you know they've got UCLA on the schedule. This is going to be an interesting one for the Trojans to dig themselves out of this hole if they can, if they can. And let's say they lose four or five four games, four or five games and Caleb Williams doesn't look good. Is Caleb Williams hurting his number I mean his his lock on the number 1 overall pick is is that starting to wane just a little bit or not or not? Probably not right now, but you go lose to Washington and Oregon, and you submit subpar numbers to the nation, to NFL scouts. Maybe there's room for somebody else to jump in there. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, hell, I think last year they were saying, Drake May is the number one overall pick. Drake May at one point. Everyone's the number one overall pick until they're not, and then they become a fourth-round pick, and everyone says, what the fuck happened? So, goodness gracious. All right. You know, I had so many different formats, so many different styles I wanted to take my podcast months before I ever did my first podcast. And I was going to be hardcore politics. I, you know, I was going to do skits. I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. But one of the things I did not know that I was going to do was something like my kidney stone. I was going to talk about my personal life. It had just happened to me. It was a story. Boom. I talk about it. I talk about my high school football journey. And so I wasn't I, I wasn't sold. I wasn't sure. I, I did not know that that during my podcast, I would invite you guys in and give you a little glimpse into my personal life. My exciting personal life, you know, my love life. Hey, I did talk about sex with a stint. I mean, that was, you know, I took a little heat from uh, some of my children over that. My wife was a little concerned until she listened to it, and she heard the whole Kirk Gibson thing, and she laughed and thought it was funny, even though I don't think she has any idea about the 1988 World Series and the significance of it. But I'm going to let you in on a little bit more of my personal life here um, my mother-in-law, Mel, Bubba, as she's known to her grandkids. This is obviously my, my wife's mom. She, her health is good, but her lower half, her knees, her hips, she just does not walk good. And it's gotten, over the course of the last three or four years, it's gotten awful. It, you know, she can barely move. It is, she seems like she's in, in super pain. And it's just been tough to watch. And so um, several months ago, my mother-in-law, Mel, went in and had the first of two hip surgeries, hip replacement surgeries. And the first one went pretty smooth, other than my my wife having to stay with her at her home for two, two-plus weeks, which was hard on my wife. It was, it, was, it was definitely hard on my wife. And so my mother-in-law went in for her second hip surgery a cup it's been 2 weeks now and it didn't go well the doctor spoke to my wife after surgery saying you know he had to sew her up fast there was just lots of internal bleeding there was a lot of bleeding going on and he described my mother-in-law's femur like a, a cookie crumbling and i'm like what and, and and this is going to be according to the doctor you know 6 to 8 week no 
no weight on this hip, on this leg, on this foot um, while you're trying to recover. And so for someone like my mother-in-law who's just sitting sitting in bed kind of, you know, her legs are deteriorating. I, I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm just at a loss right now for my poor mother-in-law and my poor wife. My wife is, is my, my mother-in-law right now, she, she got discharged from the hospital, but she had to go to a home. Um, a temporary, you know, you know, rehabilitation center that she fucking hates. She's complaining every single second. She's she can be a very negative woman sometimes, not positive. So I've been trying to coach her up, but she's in this rehabilitation center, and my wife is going there every single day. I'm gonna go there tomorrow. I told her I'd make her a steak, but she said she didn't want a steak. It's been incredibly difficult on my wife. There's there's obviously a strain. Is my mother-in-law going to be home for Thanksgiving? I don't think so. I can see a scenario where she's not home for Christmas, which is going to just mentally fucking kill her. So I don't know if she, she you know, when, when you hear her, your femur is crumbling like a cookie, I'm like, Dude, sounds like a metal rod. Don't we need like a new fake femur here? Some sort of rod to keep that thing in place. So... Hopefully, we've got to get her out of this rehabilitation center to a hospital here in the next week. She's got an appointment where they can take some x-rays and see what's going on. You know, they asked my mother-in-law, so, you know, they ask you one to ten pain, one to ten pain. And, what you know, she's sitting in bed and they ask her, what, you know, what's your pain right now? And she says, what's bigger than a ten? And I'm like, Mel, Mel, you don't. My mother-in-law's pain tolerance is is really shitty. It's weak. I don't think she tolerates pain real well. I think it might take her three or four weeks to recover from a hangnail. You should see how long it takes her to recover from a cold. Now, I love her to death. I love her to death, and I want her better. But she's got to get tougher. If you're laying in a, in a bed and someone asks you your pain level and you're just sitting there watching TV and you say a 10, a 10 is pass out. You, you're, you're out. You're out. I experienced a 10 when I sat up. My kidneys don't impede. A 10, you don't, you, you, you don't have consciousness. You don't. You lose it quickly. So here I am talking about my personal life. It's been very hard on my wife. I, I'm, I'm just crossing my fingers somehow, some way that my mother-in-law can get better. But I'm worried. I'm worried. Right now, we don't have a way forward with doctors that I have confidence in telling my mother to mother-in-law to sit in bed for eight weeks. She's going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. I've got her trying to do some exercises in bed, moving those legs around. I can't don't say you can't damn it. If you can't, then this is your new fucking home Mel. So I've got to sprinkle in love with tough love. I got the the inner coach in me's got to come out a little bit. I've probably got to be a little bit more understanding of a husband because I see the stress on my my wife's face. I mean, my mother-in-law texts my wife 5 million times a day and it is always I rang the buzzer and they're not coming. My toast wasn't cooked. I did not sleep. It it it's just, you know, it's bringing my wife down a little bit. Maybe if she listens to this She'll know I love her. She doesn't listen to this. She doesn't care. My goodness. Mel, I'm thinking about you. I'll see you tomorrow. I literally texted her and I said, hey, can I make you one of those steaks you like? I pan fry on the on the stove. I get the olive oil boiling and I take a ribeye and I don't spice it up too much because my mother-in-law will say, too salty, too salty. But uh, she turned me down. I was going to bring her a steak. So I don't know if I'll bring her anything but my love and, and, and my, uh, my tough love. My tough love. Coach Nick's coming. He's coming to the rehabilitation center tomorrow, Mel. You better get ready. I think I'm going to get her a, a headband so she can wear it so she doesn't sweat so much when I work her out. All right. How's the NFL going? How's the NFL going? My Denver Broncos won a game 1917. I don't know whether to be happy or sad. Now, my Huskies won, my Broncos won, and my high school football team won, which I will get to. That's a triple win weekend, ladies and gentlemen. And let me tell you, when you're a Bronco fan, Husky fan, and a, and a Hayes and Highlander, 
triple win weekends do not happen very often. I think it's the first of the year. Woo! Triple win weekend. And and I've, I've also told you, I'm not going to sit here and be an NFL prognosticator and just walk through the NFL. There are too many analysts for me to do that. The one takeaway I want to discuss just briefly is just the overall parity in the NFL. Goodell wanted parity. The NFL wanted parity. The league office wanted parity. Man, they got it. The difference between the shittiest team and the best team is not all that much. Sure, I think we've got the Eagles and the Chiefs, but they just don't blow people out. The NFL parity is crazy. I, I swear, the, the Broncos are the Broncos are going to lose every game, but they're going to lose tight. They're not going to get their doors blown off, except if they play the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. It's almost, I, I, I almost wish there was five or six super dominant teams. It doesn't look like that. Who are the fucking dominant teams? I mean, last night I just watched the Minnesota Vikings beat the 49ers, and the 49ers have lost two in a row. How good are the 49ers? They're good. They got a great coach. They got a great running back. But how good are they? I, I, they look like they got a good defense, but comparatively speaking to the Cleveland Browns, the Denver Broncos, the San Diego Chargers, the Seattle Seahawks, the league just looks even Steven. And for me, is that kind of boring? Is that I, I don't know. I don't know. But we'll watch it. We'll, the NFL is just so tight and so close. The clock is constantly running. It seems like the games flow by so quickly. And the amount of possessions, the amount of possessions in an NFL game, I don't have any numbers on this, but, boy, it just seems quick. It just seems really quick. So, for, hey, for my money, and, and I know this is easy to say, I've got the, I'm rooting for the number fifth team in the country, the Washington Huskies, and so, you know, you're flying high in terms of college football. And my my football team is 2-5 and five in the NFL, the Denver Broncos. The Russell Wilson-led Denver Broncos. And so, obviously, I'm down in the dumps there. But call me a homer just because things are going good on the college side or, or what have you. But to me, the college football product is so much better than the NFL product. I just enjoy it so much better. And, and I think that's been the case for a long time, a long time. I've always loved college football. This year, it seems like, to me, the NFL with its just, just, just kind of bland parody, I'm not impressed. I'm impressed with college football. Good for college football. <clears throat> Let's go, college football. Okay, yeah, we're going to get political here. We're going to get a little political. So, everybody, does anybody know who Rashida Tlaib is? We, she's part of the, the, the squad that the Republicans, Fox News, has, has, has labeled. Um, AOC is a part of the squad. Um, Omar is a part of the squad. But uh, Rashida Rashida Tlaib is a United States congressman from the 12th, is it the 14th district or the 12th district? I think it's the 12th district in Michigan, which the 12th district essentially is Detroit, okay? So she so she represents Detroit. And as we talked, you know, these house members represent, you know, you know, different districts all over the uh, all over the state and they're very diverse. You know, hey, if you're if you're representing Detroit, you're going to be a liberal liberal politician, and, and there are I'm sure there's certain spots in Michigan where it is uber conservative. So, Rashida Tlaib is a Palestinian, or, or her parents were Palestinians. I'm not sure exactly where she was born, but you can imagine the 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 conundrum. She probably does not love Israel, and let's forget about the terrorist attack just for one second, because I'll I'll get to that. But someone like Talib, if you were a Palestinian American, you probably look at Israel and say, "Man, they keep you know, you know, they keep bulldozing, they keep you know, trying to trying to largen 
uh, enlarge their their footprint in Gaza, in the West Bank. They should stop. They're they're creating some. They're creating a cultural genocide. You probably don't have like this this rosy colored glasses like a lot of us do for Israel. Like we want to protect Israel at all costs. Someone like Rashida Tlaib, and, and you have to think like she thinks for a second. It's okay. Let's not let's not let's not just kick her out of Congress right this second, okay? But think like she thinks. She wants better times for the Palestinian people. I think you know maybe she wants better times for the Jewish people, but she sees things more from a Palestinian side, and. Maybe that's not a bad thing because we always get um, things from the Jewish perspective, the, you know, the Benjamin Netanyahu perspective. But let me let, let me let me read her her tweet here. Okay, um, now this is after Hamas has, I mean, a horrific the, the the biggest terrorist attack on Israel since the Holocaust. Okay, this is after this. There was a bomb that exploded in a hospital, and so here's what here's what uh, Rep. Talib wrote on her X or her Twitter or whatever the fuck we call it. I think we call it X. Nick, we know what we call it. Quote: Israel just bombed the Baptist, killing 500 Palestinians, doctors, children, patients, just like that. President of the United States, this is what happens when you refuse to facilitate a ceasefire and help de-escalate. Your war and destruction only approach has opened my eyes and many Palestinian Americans and Muslim Americans like me. We will remember where you stood. There's what she wrote. So this is just after... The bomb hits the hospital and kills 500 100 innocent people. And we've talked, that's what sucks about this. Innocent people are going to die on both sides. Now, she, she just jumps in and says, boom, calls out the president, calls out Israel. And Israel and the United States came out and said, hey, um, there's evidence to suggest that this was a Hamas rocket that went awry. This was not Israel. This was something that Hamas did. And obviously, if let's say Hamas was responsible for this, it worked because it pisses off Muslim Americans, Palestinian Americans, member of Congress in the United States. It makes you look at Israel, who was attacked against Hamas. It makes you look at Israel in a similar light. Now, she doubled down on this. She tripled down on this. She wants an in- independent investigation on this rocket, on this, and, and, and I think that's a good idea. Uh, can we just purely trust the United States military? I'm not a conspiracy theorist or the Israelis to say, oh, yep, Hamas did it. If Hamas did it, I want to know and I want to I talk with Representative Tlaib and say, look what we're fucking dealing with sweetheart look what we're dealing with they committed an attack on the israelis and then a few days later they bomb their own hospital to create chaos and confusion and support for their effort because they've certainly garnered your support representative talib now i also want to know is that bullshit was this is an Israeli rocket that they said, oh, you know, the GPS coordinates were a little off. It went awry. Something happened. And we did this. I think it would be important to know either way. Whose rocket was this? We need to know that. And it's not a conspiracy theory to say, oh, I think it was Hamas or, oh, I think it was the United States. We don't know. Who knows? I, I, I know People like to flub the truth in wartime. It's called propaganda. Everybody's been doing it since the beginning of time. You need to change the conversation. You need to change the direction of where things are going. And Hamas bombing a hospital, that'd be their own hospital. That'd be a, a Palestinian hospital. That'd be a hell of a way to do it. 
That'd be a hell of a way to get sympathy on your side. Okay? Obviously, United States and Israel want sympathy on their side, saying, hey, this wasn't a rocket. I agree with Rashida Tlaib in this sense. We need to find out who did it. And Rashida, if there's proof that it wasn't Israel, then then you got to stand up and, and, and you have to be accountable and apologize because you were quick to judge. You were extremely quick to judge. Now, we've seen Republicans in Congress call for her head. She should be booted out for what she said. What I just wrote, she should be booted out of Congress for what she said. You know how you get booted out of Congress and we've talked about this? You get voted out. If you get booted out, George Santos, the liar from New York who's got a fake everything, would be out. Uh, you know, I joke that we hold our football coaches in college football and, and pro football to such a high standard compared to our politicians. But I don't think she should be voted. I, 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 excuse me. I don't think that she should be kicked out of Congress for what I just read you. That, 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 that would be stupid. Now, I would say, hey, Mrs. Tlaib, wake the fuck up a little bit. Um, did you just realize that Israel has been our most reliable United States ally in the region for the last 70 fucking years? What did you did you when did you realize that we were supporting Israel unequivocally? Always. We support Israel. That's just something we do. It's kind of one of our cornerstones. We don't have many true friends in the Middle East. Don't call the fucking Saudis true friends. The Israelis are our, our ally, and they have been for 70 years. Okay? So Rashida Tlaib is, is, is flexing her, her muscle potentially at the ballot box, threatening Democrats, threatening Joe Biden. We, we just don't need to vote at the top of the ticket. Getting specific. This could be something to monitor. This could be a very close race between, you know, the Mad King and and bumbling Joe Biden. This could be very close. And Michigan is obviously a state that both sides need to win. Trump won it in 2016 by like 10,000 votes, 20,000 votes. He lost it in 2020 by 150,000 votes. I won. I still won. Shut up, you stupid fuck. You can never lose. No matter how bad you lose, just shut the fuck up. Nick, it's not fair. It's totally unfair. Shut up, Don. So Tlaib is willing to take this. I mean, hey, she, she, she's threatening Democrats at the ballot box. She's threatening Democrats at the ballot box. But I want to know what happened. What happened with this rocket? Who is responsible? It's important we understand this. And then, then the, if it's Israel and Hamas, excuse me, if it's Israel that's responsible for this rocket, then, then why should we kick Tlaib out of, out of Congress for being right? Now, I saw that uh, Lindsey Graham, along, there's, there was 10, 10 senators, United States senators, like Republicans and Democrats, uh, going to Israel. Israel is our friend. It is our ally, as I have pointed out. And someone, and we've heard Lindsey Graham, Donald Trump called Hezbollah very smart. I've already talked about that. Should he be kicked out? Should he be not allowed to run? Because he called Iran, the Iranian terrorist group Hezbollah very smart. And I've, I've, I've asked that question on last episode. Don, why the fuck are they very smart? And, and I joke, if you're calling for Tlaib's head because she criticized Israel, should, should you call for Donnie's head because he's pumping up Hezbollah? But anyways, Lindsey Graham and a bipartisan group of senators are in Israel trying to figure out a, a course of direction. They're trying to show support for our number one ally in the Middle East. And someone had tried to ask Lindsey Graham about Tlaib's tweet or her ex or whatever. God, I don't even know what to call it. And Graham shut it down. Graham shut it down. Said something to the effect of, we've got a lot of, we, 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 we've got problems at home, that's for sure, but we're not here to talk about that right now. And we know that Lindsey Graham's been 
um, you know, he's praised his his friend, his longtime friend Joe Biden, on on how so far he's handled handled all of this. But I just thought it was good. It, it gives me hope. Lindsey Graham, the Republicans and the Democrats in the Senate are working together. They seem united. So a reporter for Newsmax was trying to to throw a monkey wrench in this. Hey, you know, you got five Republicans, five Democrats, senators in Israel. And, hey, want to cause a little division. What do you guys think about Tlaib's, Tlaib's quote? And Graham just shut it down. Nope, nope, nope. We're not here for that. We're not here for that. Yeah, we got problems at home, but now's not the time. We're here on a diplomatic business trip, baby. So stand up, Lindsey Graham. Sometimes you're a bitch. Sometimes you don't stand for much, especially when it comes to your king. Because he will, he 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 will have your political head. He will he, on a platter, but good for you. Standing up, you just 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 deflecting the situation and being a leader a little bit. So, anyways, let let's see how this whole thing plays out, and let's find out what happened with this rocket. I, I would love to see some evidence. On, on, on what occurred, and that doesn't mean I'm a conspiracy theorist because I'm not. I just want to know the truth, and I'm not. I'm not saying one side did it, the other side did. It. I just want to know who. I want to know who. I wouldn't have been so quick, Rashida Tlaib, to jump on one side, like you were, and you doubled down and you tripled down on your comments. But I also don't think that your head should be called for in the House of Representatives. Because you expressed support for your own people. And, and I would put yourself in her shoes if you were a Palestinian American. And you didn't, you, you didn't have rosy colored glasses for Israel. Maybe you have a lot more information. You've done a lot more studying. You understand the impact of the last 30, 40, 50 years over there in, in Gaza and the West Bank. What's occurred? You're, you're, you're just not a lockstep ally of Israel. And I can understand that. And and in our House, in our Senate, in our, our city councils, um, hell, if you look at uh, Blinken's staff, uh, Biden's staff, they're more and more diverse. They've got Muslims in it. They've got Palestinians in it. And so this has got to be extremely stressful for these people. Jews, too. Everybody involved. It's an awful situation. I'm going to keep talking about it. Maybe I'll give it a little bit of a break. But 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 as things progress in terms of news, we'll, we'll certainly we'll certainly talk about it. Get to the bottom of the truth. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about is the truth. So, and 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 then then we can form real solid opinions. So, so all right, switching gears, baby, switching gears. I got a show for you. I guess got I got a show for you guys. Now you guys heard me talk about you know I love treasure and Oak Island the uh, you know um, the Oak Island show on the History Channel I believe it is that I watch and they're searching for this super treasure on this island outside of Nova Scotia but there's also there's another cool show it's on the Discovery Channel it's called Mysteries of the Abandoned and it is such there's so many seasons too. So you could binge watch away, ladies and gentlemen. But basically, these are structures around the world, maybe in the United States. Um, they go around the world, and these are mega, oftentimes mega structures built and then abandoned. These these structures had a life. They had a purpose. Things you know you know it, you've got to watch it. And this could be, this could be, they could go to Africa, and here is a city in the middle of the desert that was flourishing 40, 60 years ago, and it was a diamond city, and all the diamonds would come be get processed here, and then diamonds, you know, the, the, the mines, you know, dried up, but there's this city that's being engulfed by the desert and sand that used to be, like, high-end. It's so cool. You've got all of these different places around the United States, these these structures that once were great and now are just overgrown and and 
decapitated. They're just they're decapitated. That's not the right word. They're they're no more. They're no more. And so, a lot of these structures have to do with World War II, the Nazis, Germany, the infrastructure that they were creating that has since been abandoned. They were they were the Germans. You know, they talked about a thousand year Reich. You watch Mysteries of the Abandoned, and you see all of the different infrastructure in different parts of the world that they were building. They, they were building toward a thousand-year reign. It's crazy. And so if you've got some time, one episode will get you hooked. It's just super cool. Mysteries of the Abandoned on the Discovery Channel. Just check it out. It's it's one of my favorite shows. So. All right, let's see. We got a little, let's talk a little sports here. Just just MLB playoffs. I just watched Game Seven last night of Houston, Texas. Of Houston, Texas. The Rangers and the Astros. Yeah, it was a it was a civil war of sorts with uh, the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. But the Texas Rangers last night blew the doors off of Houston in Houston, and the defending champions are out. I think. Most people outside of Houston are happy about that. The Rangers, man, my hats goes off to the Rangers. The Rangers led the AL West all doggone year long. They 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 lost like ten in a row late. They they lost the they were out of the wild card and and the 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 playoff altogether, uh, the pennant and everything. They rebounded, and now they are in the World Series. I am so jealous. As a Seattle Mariner fan, as a sports fan, the World Series, going to a World Series is it's it's my bucket it's on my bucket list. It's something that has to happen at some point. I want to experience that. And the Rangers are going to experience it. If someone would have told me in the beginning of the season, hey, the Astros are gonna to go to the ALCS, but it's going to be another AL West team that's gonna to go to the World Series. I'd have been like, ah, dog, the Mariners are going to the World Series. Nope. Nope, that's not the case. We're not going to the World Series. We didn't go to the fucking playoffs. So good on the Rangers. And then we have another Game 7. This is a Tuesday morning as I'm speaking to you. Tonight we have Game 7 between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. It doesn't matter if it's NBA basketball, if it's NHL hockey, if it's MLB baseball. Game sevens are so awesome. They're so special. Every single moment is important because you don't know when. This isn't a, a regular season game that has you know one out of 162 meeting. This everything is on on the line. Uh, it was last night. It's on the line tonight, and so I'm excited to watch. But you know, I'll touch on boxing here really quick. We just learned that Showtime is now, by the end of the year, will be exiting the boxing business. And for those of you who aren't big boxing fans but are sports fans, we had HBO leave in like 2018, 2019, something like that. HBO, who was, HBO was championship boxing. That they were. Jim Lampley, Larry Merchant, just fabulous production. And Showtime does the, the the same stuff with Brian Custer and Mauro Ronaldo and the great Al Bernstein. They have a they do a really great job of doing boxing, and it just it, I'm just sad. HBO and Showtime are now gone. I, I can officially cancel my Showtime subscription because the only reason why I kept it was because Showtime had boxing on Saturday nights, and I live for boxing. Someone is going to pick up the slack. The great Larry Merchant said. No one will ever kill boxing, and no one will ever save it. And I've been calling on Prince Khalid and the Saudis, you know, Nick the hypocrite, um, wanting Saudi money to come in here. But we need NBC, we need ABC, we need you know ESPN's in. You know, ESPN should go after it, even though I don't love their production value on the boxing side of things. But ESPN, God, with ABC, we need to get it on network TV. If you had the best fight. And it wasn't pay-per-view. And it was on Fox on Saturday night at, at 7.30 at night. You'd have a couple million people tune in. You'd have a few million people tune in. You wouldn't need to do pay-per-view with all the ad revenue that you would get. So, uh, again, I, it's very interesting. Showtime is out on boxing. 
out on boxing. Don't forget, November 25th, David Benavidez versus Demetrius Andrade, the official fighter of Nick the American, by the way. This will be, I believe, the last pay-per-view event. Actually, no. Showtime's Showtime's going to have one like December 9th, too. But, yeah, I mean, Showtime's done in boxing and done in boxing. So, very interesting, sad. Is it an opportunity? It's an opportunity out there for somebody to take control of this sport. Not that Showtime had control, but maybe somebody with bigger pockets. And then, lastly, we've got Nagano and uh, Fury, Francis Nagano and Tyson Fury, the crossover MMA boxing fight this coming up weekend. Here's my advice to you. Don't get this fucking exhibition. Don't get it. Don't get it. Get real MMA fights. Get those. Get real boxing fights. Get those. And I will point out to you, especially on the boxing side, because you know me, I don't know MMA, but I will point out to you what, what you should get and what you shouldn't get. I'm telling you, don't waste your time with this exhibition Nagano versus Fury. Okay. Now I say that, and Nagano will probably knock Fury out. I actually have an idea. Here, here. I said I wasn't buying any more Jake Paul fights, no more, you know, the 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 the, the social media stuff with, with Tommy Fury and all that. I have an idea. Here's a fight I'll buy. Tyson Fury fights Jake Paul, Logan Paul, and KSI in the same night. 265 pounds of sloth of Shrek in Tyson Fury versus three social media superstars. There you go. 100 bucks. I'll buy that. I'll buy it. I think back when George Foreman was having his comeback, he fought like three or four guys in one night. Just boom, 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 boom. Bring him up, knock him down. And I think that might be a fun, that might be a fun, fun event. But uh, anyways. All right, enough. I've got, I've got to talk to you about my high school football team. Several weeks ago, we sat one and four. We were running the ball against everybody, stopping the run against everybody, and getting diced up against the pass. Um, we are no longer one and four. We are four and four. We have won three in a row. And this past Friday night, we beat Liberty High School at Liberty High School on their homecoming and their senior night. Okay? We have not beaten Liberty High School in over 20 years. Now, we haven't played them every single year. But we, we have not competed with Liberty in a long time. And we went and we drove the bus. A few, and, 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 and I have been talking to the boys about this moment during spring football, during summer workouts, all season, how we were going to take the bus down to Liberty and we were going to beat them on their own field and celebrate. We were going to party on Liberty's field. And that's exactly what we did. We won 20 to 13 in a game that probably wasn't that close. We gave up 30 yards rushing. We ran the ball down their throats. The the drive coming out of half when we were ahead 7-6 was a thing of beauty taking up eight freaking minutes, baby. Punching it in. Now, hey, a lot of respect to Liberty. Um, I've coached a lot, some of those kids. In, in, their two best players I've coached were on my 12-year-old baseball team, and I love them to death And Roan and Jackson. And Roan did not play. Roan was a quarterback, and he did not play. And, and it, would have been a, it, it would have been a different football game. We, you know, we just out-muscled them. We were still going to out-muscle them with Roan or without, I believe. But the passing element that 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 he that that this kid would have would have presented to us would have been would have been great and it would have been uh you know it would have made it for a different football game but hats off to the Hazen Highlanders for winning three games in a row and beating their rival for the first time and nobody even knows it's in 90s it's the 90s this head coach has been there since 99 and he's never lost to Hazen Valsic is his last name i'm just so proud it, it, it every, every minute that I've put in, you know, I, I it was worth it when we played Newport and I'd lost my sister and my football team surrounded me and was so good to me. And it was even more worth it to go and, and beat Liberty. So my hat's off to the kids. I, I love our coaching staff. Everyone's worked hard for this. Now buckle the fuck up because on Friday night we play the Bellevue Wolverines Bellevue is arguably, you know, the best program in the state, the second best, the third, one of the best programs in the state. 
They they lost in the the semifinals last year to the eventual state champion Yelm, 28-27. They've got almost everybody coming back. This is going to be a challenge of all challenges. We're we're, we're probably uh, supposed to get beat by 40 points. Now, hey, it's a street fight, and uh, we have uh, uh, our tough Tuesday practice today, and you can bet your ass. This coach, Nick, Coach Nick, is going to be coaching his ass off this week. And, hey, look, hey, forget the pads, forget the helmets. Let's go fight these fuckers. And I mean that with all due respect, Bellevue. Let's go fight Bellevue fucking high school. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So last week I talked about how we enhance the United States of America. And I threw my hand, basically I threw my hands up in the air going, I don't even know. I don't even know. And, 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 and I still hold to that opinion to, to, to a large degree. But I, 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 I was thinking, I, I know one thing. I know one way to enhance America. I know one way to ensure America is great, not just for the next 10 years, but for the next 100 years. It's so simple. We work together. We work side by side. We work together. Okay? Republicans and Democrats and Whigs and Nihilists and everybody in between and on the outskirts. You do not have to agree with someone politically, especially when we don't even understand all the politics. We get fed shit by the media and we develop dislike or hatred for one another. No. Bullshit. This is what Nick the American is all about. We enhance America slowly but surely by working together every single day. Okay? That's what we do. That's what we're going to continue to do. So leave all the politics. Hey, learn, 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 learn. Practice, 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 practice your politics. Get smarter. But I don't care about your politics. What I care for is that everybody in this country works together. You don't have to agree with one another. But on a day-to-day basis, that's what Americans do. And if we do that, we can let the politicians and the media outlets all give us have-truths, and we will just put our head down, pull up our pants, tie our shoes, and get to work. Americans work together. They always have. They always will. That's Nick the American. That's episode 25. Hey, Bellevue High School. We're coming, baby. Uh-oh. Oh, I was just kidding. I was just kidding, Bellevue High School. All right, I love you guys. Talk to you later. Goodbye.